0: Hey, this is
1: Mac B, host of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. I'm here with Jay at the Hook Rocks, and I'm the 2022 Bracket Challenge Champion.
0: Come in here, dear boy, have a cigar. You're gonna go far, you're gonna fly high.
1: You're never gonna die Come in here, dear boy Have a cigar You're gonna go far You're gonna fly high You're never gonna die
2: Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, another episode is uh, on its way to you in another form of a great interview, great new music spotlight, I'd like to welcome all of you aboard, once again I'm Jay Scott and we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great platform of music related podcasts as I mention in every episode. Check out my friends Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Tom and Zeus, the number one rated Kiss podcast, shout out Loudcast, Mistress Carrie out in Boston, as well as several others. There's something for everyone. Everyone's music taste is represented well in uh, on Pantheon. So please give that uh, a check, uh, or please give that a listen and check out all the other podcasts that are on there as well. You can find them on social media at pantheon pods on twitter and facebook and instagram and you can also follow the hook rocks wherever you do podcasts whether it's amazon spotify google amazon apple wherever you can check out all the latest and greatest episodes don't forget to set your app to automatic downloads so you do get those episodes right to your phone whenever they're released we're also on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Instagram, follow us at The Hook Rocks. Don't forget to check out some of our previous episodes. We had Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy on in February, a great interview with him. Always appreciate uh, learning more about Thin Lizzy, one of my favorite bands. We also just had Gil Moore, the singer and drummer from Triumph, as well as Ty Taber from King's X. We also have done some great new music spotlights with Fortune Child, With South of Eden, the Mysterines, as well as many others, we always like to showcase new music and new bands that are out there. It's one of the pillars of what we like to do here. It's why we started this podcast, was really to generate interest in a lot of young bands and emerging bands that are out there. So we have another great new music spotlight for you. Uh, We'd like to welcome in singer, songwriter. Kurt Dimer, what's going on, Kurt? How are you?
0: What's going on, Jay? How you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, no, thank thank forward... you for
0: having me on, man.
2: Yeah, looking forward to our conversation, and looking forward to learning more about you, as well as my audience learning more about you too, as well. Awesome.
0: We so always bear with, bear with me. I'm in a car in L.A., but we'll uh, hopefully we'll this will this will take real well, and everybody can hear me out there. I appreciate it.
2: We will make it work. Absolutely. Uh, we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on The Hook Rocks, and that is really the essence of our show. Uh, just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hook them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
0: Well, back in the day, I, I started going to shows probably when I was 11 or 12 and at the big arenas. I lived in Houston, Texas at the time. In my first couple shows, I just went to, I don't even want to mention what they were because I didn't really like them. But the first band that really hooked me live and just made me want to go to more and more concerts would probably be Triumph who you just had the drummer on the other day. I saw Triumph, the three-piece, and how powerful they were. And I just couldn't stop going to concerts. And uh, it, it was utterly amazing. And I also was able to see Randy Rhodes play with Ozzy before he passed. And what an incredible show that was. So those would probably be the two shows that really drew me
2: into wanting to do music someday. Those are two great experiences. Triumph was huge in Texas.
0: They, they came through, it seemed like, all the time, and uh, and and it was right, you know, when Magic Power and all that stuff had come out, and they're kind of in their heyday, and it was, uh, it was really, it just blew me away how Rick Emmett could play the guitar the way he did and sing the way he did at the same time with just a bass player and a drummer. You know, a lot like Rush, too. Rush was big. I, I loved Rush, Cheap Trick, so all those bands were major influences on me.
2: Yeah, no, it, uh you know, all those bands you just mentioned, you know, were just very part of my, uh a big part of my youth, I should say, Uh, you know, Randy Rhodes with Ozzy and Triumph and Rush and Cheap Trick, of course, you know, being from Chicago, they're up I-90 here about an hour away up in Rockford. So they were always a big presence here. Uh Where did it go from there for you? Like, you know, when did it become something you wanted to do?
0: Well, I, I did it. I, I played music. I had a drum set always in my room. I started out with drums and piano when I was young. My, my parents got me really into piano lessons before I was even 10 and, you know, the, the early ages. Then I got more into drums and I was a percussionist in the uh, um, middle school band and, you know, always wanted to make sure I was first chair in that. I've always been very competitive. Then I started up playing, you know, started up a band when I was going to University of Cincinnati in Ohio. And uh, we were playing, you know, the bars around when the Afghan wigs were starting to take off out of Cincinnati, that era. And, you know, I just realized I was something wasn't right. I was too immature at the time. I was having too much fun. And if I went out on the road at that point and tried to do it, I wasn't, you know, mentally at that point in my life where I could do it. So I got married young, got my act together, got my college degrees and uh, raised a family. I got three beautiful boys. And I just told myself back then, if I could ever do it someday and do it right and be able to fight my way up up through the industry, then I would do it. And uh, lo and behold, in 2017, I I also own an oil company, an oil brand called Starfire. I went down to uh, shoot a cameo in the movie Trading Paint because my brand was in there, and they gave me a speaking role, and I looked at that as my sign because I all of a sudden was acting with John Travolta and Shania Twain, like in the blink of an eye, doing a scene in Trading Paint, and I'm like, this is my sign, and uh, about a year later, I was down in Alabama shooting more stuff, and I had a... Um, um, the, my writing partner then or the guy I met who became my writing partner, Ben Trexel. We, uh, we played, he had a couple tracks that he wanted me to sing on because, uh, I told him, uh, you, the, the the riffs, the hooks are good, but the, uh, you just sound like a wedding singer, man, just plain. Let me see what I can do. I used to be a singer back in the day. And, uh, we did those three recordings and the rest is history. I've worked my way up, brought a demo to LA and, uh, here I am now working with Chris Lord algae as my producer mixer and Phil X is my guitar player. And we got a kick-ass band and the music's just going, going crazy. So
2: how did that all come together with, with Phil and, 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 in with the team, you know, the, the creative team that you have?
0: Well, if I, I'll continue on with the story here after, after I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be transitioning. So tell me if you can't hear me. I, uh, When I came out to LA, I uh, brought this demo out, and uh, I had a manager at the time, and I decided the demo, I wanted to have it remixed, because I was not happy with the way it was. So he hooked me up with Chris Lord Algae. We didn't think we'd have any chance of doing anything with Chris Lord Algae, but it was right at the beginning of COVID, so he took me on and said he would uh, mix that for me. So we go in to mix it and I finally get to meet him, you know, after he's mixed this album, we go out to dinner out here in Woodland Hills. And I had a little studio out here at the time and he loved my vibe. He loved the, my voice, how it's different. Um, you know, he's a legend in rock and roll and everything. And we, uh, just hit it off as friends, I guess you, you would say, cause we're like best friends now. And then, uh, midsummer he said that, that have a cigar song you and ben trexel wanted to do your interpretation of pink floyd let me show you what i can do and while i was on the road doing some promo stuff for my former band name he was putting that together i came back and uh, i said uh, who's who's the guitarist on this uh um have a cigar and he said it's the cla band he didn't want to tell me who it was they finally did because it blew me away. I got shivers. I mean, this solo was sick. And I'm like, I think we're on to something. And how apropos it was to have a cigar, you know, about coming together as a team and building a band. It was like so apropos to be our first song together. And I found out it was Phil X. So then we play in the video shoot. And that's the video you see on YouTube is the first time Phil X and I met. So that's kind of how the three of us got together. And then I just started writing with Phil, and we've just been coming up with incredible, cool songs ever since. So, so many that you nobody's heard yet. We only have our first EP out with uh, Work Hard, Rock Hard, was six songs. We probably got forty already teed up, ready to go.
2: How, how was the beginning of that creative process, and how has it been building since that first time? You know, creating with Phil, obviously you know, being a member of Bon Jovi and, and being also, you know, the replacement for Rick Emmett for Triumph uh, yeah, yeah. too as well. How has that been progressing and, and, you know, how is that process? You know, can you, you know, well, what yeah. is that process yeah. like?
0: Well, we when we met that first day, I remember Phil gave me some really good advice. He said, "Make sure you put your best foot forward." And th- at that point, we had no intention of, you know, I I never thought Phil X would want to be in my band with me. Jesus, I didn't even think I'd have Chris Lord Alge as my friend and producer. But after we did that, I said, "I I just I, me and Phil kept in touch after we met at the video shoots, and um, I kept I said, Chris, I want to write with Phil." So what I, cause I write when, when I write, I can write at any time. Like last night I had a dinner meeting. I went, was out at one of the, at the rainbow room last night, having a nightcap. I wrote a song while I'm sitting there. It just comes out of me, out of my brain. And I put it down on my notes on my phone. So when we write now together, Chris kind of is the ringleader of it because he's our producer. I'll send lyrics to Phil and Chris or just Phil. Phil will put hooks and riffs and come up with his style. You know, he's been doing this for 30 plus years. So he'll put, he'll, he'll give the Phil X and Phil X can be Phil X now with me. Usually in other bands, like you said, Triumph and Bon Jovi, he's playing. He just pulled up here right by me right now while we're talking just anywhere along here. Um, Phil just pulled up as we're talking. Um, But anyways, um, he has to play what everybody wants him to play. When when Phil X is playing with me, he's Phil X unleashed, and uh, we just write these tunes together. We give it to Chris; he sprinkles his magic producer dust on it, and that's how we come up with these killer songs. So it's quite quite a team.
2: When you are writing, as you just mentioned, you know where do you find your inspiration for the lyrics? Is it through observation? Is it through experience? You're trying to tell a story. Yeah, my life. I mean, it's
0: like instead of going to a therapist, I write music for people. And hopefully my message in this music will help them in a a certain aspect of their life. Hope You know, hopefully every song I write, a lyric touches somebody because I do this for the people and to share my life experiences. So others may not make the same mistakes that I have, you know, getting to where I am today.
2: When you reflect on that stuff in your writing, you know, obviously you have a different perspective of, as you move forward and, and, and beyond that experience. How do you, you know, cope through that? How, you, how do you navigate through those experiences years later um, when you're writing about them?
0: Well, I just try to remember what did I learn from the experience? What happened to me in the experience? But then I don't want to make my songs so they're so obvious. Like there's so many songs out there where the lyrics are obvious. I want people to think about the message I'm trying to implore and what I'm writing and apply it to their own life. And And it's just very therapeutic for me because whether it was a good or bad situation, it you I always look for the positive. I always like to take the high road and I try to, you know, always reflect on everything as a learning experience if it was a big negative and not make the same mistake twice and being able to get this stuff out of my brain now instead of having it clogged in my brain all these years as i've, I've built other entities it, uh, it it really helps me quite a bit and i really enjoy doing it for people like i have no stress now compared to the way my life used to be like i love every day i love getting up i love talking to folks like you i love writing music I love getting ready to go in and shoot this video. There's there's nothing not to love about entertaining people. So
2: you know, you don't have the atypical rock star story, you know, with you just how you just mentioned, you know, you went away for a while after you, you know, were were getting involved in music at a young age and you came back in 2017. You know, when you decided to do that What were the emotions? What was the thought process behind that? I mean, there had to be some hesitancy. There had to be some, you know, questions of like, are you doing the right thing? Where did that all, you know, what was the inspiration for that?
0: Well, probably goes back to that trading paint. Now I got (coughs) slapped in that scene at the last minute. I really didn't have a lot of time to think. I had about 35 minutes to learn those lines. And and get ready to, to shoot a movie scene with John Travolta. I mean, he's been around forever. I'm standing next to Shania Twain. And my hesitancy to get back into music all along, or at the right time, is I didn't know if I could do it. I, I didn't know if I could go stand in front of a bunch of people. A lot of people can't do that, and perform and put on a show and entertain them. And when I got up and I was able to do that, never acting before in my life. Then I got called to be in Halloween. Um, So I got killed by Michael Myers. I was in that movie a couple months later, the Halloween that came out in 2018. It built my confidence because I could go do something I hadn't done my whole life. I was an oil man. I was in the oil business. I I knew everything about that. But once I saw I could do that and it it didn't bother me and I was uh, very strong in the moment, then that that made me want to explore getting back into music again and that's why we recorded those songs and here we are so it was, the hesitancy mostly was just could i even get in front of a crowd like that and perform
2: and making music now after you know, having a professional career, you know, obviously there's a different speed to that. It's a different experience. Uh, was, was there a lot of learning for you to do, you know, that learning curve that you, you know, when you throw yourself into something and, and become passionate about something years later, what was that like for you too as well in, in terms of just being creative and, and putting it all together? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good question, Jay. Um, The music part, yes. I've had had a vocal coach work with me. When I first started, I was very raw. Um, I was finding my voice. I was still trying to sing things out of my range that didn't make sense. And what Phil and Chris have, have allowed me to do and what we do for each other is we let each other be each other's self. And we're all different, but we all come together. Phil can be Phil. I can be me. And I can sing the way I sing, stay in my range and perform and put on a great show. But it was a lot of work to get there because some of my early demo stuff, Ben had me singing higher parts and lower. It was kind of all over the board, if you will. And now with the first EP that came out and what we have coming out after it, we've honed it in to our signature sound and style. But it took, you know, a good two to three years to, to, to fall into that groove. As far as the acting goes, I've never had an acting lesson or anything in my life. I've just always kind of been a chill, mellow dude, but I'm a character too. Like this movie I have coming out, Hellbilly Hollow. I did a horror franchise. I started my own after I was in Halloween. I'm a crazy nut, just crazy dude. So my acting is just natural. But the music, you got to keep working on it. You got to keep, you know, keep your voice in shape. I go through the same routine on the road it's it's a process to be able to perform and present your songs correctly when you play out in public.
2: As far as being on the road and, and you know, traveling and, and playing, you know, gig to gig, and what's that like for you? I mean, having come from an industry that's probably a little bit more stable than the rock and roll lifestyle, how is that <laughs> adjustment going for you?
0: Oh, it. I work hard, man. So it's, it's I do get frustrated with the, how long things take and the ups and downs and trying to figure out who's real, who's not around me, who, who wants this. Does everybody have the right intentions? And it's taken a while to find all those people that do. Um, so, yes, it, it's very unstable and it's very cutthroat in the music business, but the oil business isn't that stable either, man. I mean, look at what's going on in the world now. I know everything about it, but I went through the same thing when I started my oil companies. It was like, I was a pest to the people that were already established. There was no way you could do it, Kurt. You can't do that. You can't start a brand new oil. I'm like, okay, tell me no more and more and more, and I'll show you what I'm going to do. And I've got the same thing. you Kurt, Kurt, you can't get back into music now. You can't have a band. You can't, you know, it's like, tell me I can't do it. I do it. And, it and it motivates me. And I'm very good and observant and being a businessman in the music industry, I'm pretty smart knowing what's going on around me and can pivot quick if need be.
2: How do you handle that? That was my next question on the business side, because the business, I'm sure there's a lot of similarities to what you're used to, but there's also probably a lot of differences too as well, probably in terms and not maybe not so much differences, but just how how the personality of people in the music business may be maybe different. I don't know. Maybe it's the same. I, I've never experienced the oil business, but what was that adjustment like for you?
0: Well, the the the, the oil business—you have a lot of people that. uh, you know, they either work hard or they don't. And they're either good at selling or managing or they're not. In the music business now, I'm dealing with a lot of creatives. I was a creative in the oil business. I, I was an English literature major who ended up owning oil companies. And uh, I was always very creative. But, you know, by doing that, I created my own brands and products and all that. But It still didn't satisfy. I I wondered what was always going on inside my soul. I really wasn't being the creative that I kind of suppressed it to have the family life and to be a regular businessman. But now I can be a free spirit amongst other free spirits. And it's just a matter of getting the right free spirits around you that can create and have the same vision to make your art what it is and special for for those that uh, consume it. So two different animals
2: what was it like working with Jeff Tate
0: surreal I mean that's you know in the after Phil and I got together and Chris you know the next thing is we're getting ready to go on tour for this EP and my management Paul Gargano and Andy Gould Andy Gould used to manage Lincoln Park and Rob Zombie and just took a chance on me once he knew I had Chris Lord Algae and uh they hooked me up with Jeff. He came into L.A. We went to dinner. Next thing you know, we're shooting a music video together. He's guest singing on my song, Burn Together. And uh, we're going out on direct support tour. He's a great guy. But very humbling to see, to be friends now with and have toured with and have shot videos with and have been out to dinner with the guy who was in front of the orchestra on MTV, you know, in the music video awards back in the day. I mean, I never thought that would happen to me. How can you predict that kind of stuff? I didn't ever think I'd act in a scene with Jonathan Vulture or be in Halloween. So, but if you work hard and you have a passion for it, things can happen. You just got to go, you got to go for it.
2: When you decided to step into this business in 2017, here we are five years later. Did you ever think, you know, things would happen this quickly? Did you ever think that? you know what has transpired with your music career would be happening, you know would be happening 5 years after you decided to to go into there's people that that struggle for years and here you are making a name for yourself and working with people that you know uh, are you know top of the line most some of the most recognizable names in the business
0: yeah it's I, everybody else thought i couldn't do it So they'd try to beat me down and and take my uh, energy and passion out of me. But I knew I could do it because I knew what I had already done. I built my other companies from scratch. Nothing was ever handed to me in life. I always figured out a way to make things happen for myself. And really, I didn't even lay down the tracks. My my first vocal tracks till December of 2018. The first time I even got back into singing, I was acting before and, uh, So really, that was like, I look at it as my freshman year in high school. Then my 19, my sophomore year, 20 was my, you know, and I'm finally graduating high school now. And uh, no, I knew I could do it if I stuck to being me and didn't listen to all the chaos around me, all the no's, all the naysayers. But I also had to make a lot of uh, big decisions because there were people that took advantage of the fact that uh, they just wanted to get money from me and not do the work. And uh, and uh, that was very disappointing. But where I'm at now, I'm in a, in a very good place with very good people around me. So.
2: And what's next for you as we enter in this new year? You've got some new music coming out. Sounds like you're in the studio again. You know, I, I, you said that you have a direct support with Jeff Tate coming up here. What else? You know, in no, your, no, I, I did
0: I did direct support for Jeff Tate last fall. The album, the EP is, excuse me, Work Hard, Rock Hard. It came out in November. You can stream it everywhere. And uh, hard copies are on my website, KurtDimer.com. But um, what's coming up next is we're playing the 50th Anniversary Rainbow Show on April 24th, which never thought I'd play the 50th Anniversary Rainbow Show of an iconic uh, venue. Uh, It's out in the parking lot. It's a big all-day party with some other great bands. And then um, we head out on tour with Yngwie Malmsteen. And that tour starts April 29th, and we're direct support for Bay. And we'll run that tour through June 5th, and we're already working on some other tours um, after that. And when I'm not on tour, I'll be on a movie set somewhere because I've got about three or four projects coming up over the next year that, movies people want me to be in and my own my own films. So uh, it's gonna be busy man. I'm busy every day. Even out here in LA, I was in the studio yesterday. I'm getting ready to go in and shoot this music video with Phil over in North Hollywood right now. And uh, just always working, man. You gotta keep building your brand and you gotta keep uh, interacting with your fans because I people we're all people on this earth and we're all just trying to have a good life and I love to talk to my fans and keep in touch with them on social media and all that stuff. And, uh, see that it's really, really cool to see people smile and be happy and thank me and stuff for what I'm doing and I'm touching their life. And that's, that's what it's all about. Man.
2: When you think back of that person, when you were younger to now, you, you know, when you were, when you were wanting to get into the music business, when you were younger, uh, and now you have what you have now, what are the differences in terms of you wanting to go after what you want to do? Like, you know, like that vision you had when you were younger, is it the same that you have now? And if it's not, Um, what's been different about it?
0: Well, I have confidence now because I've overcome a lot of obstacles that I had when I was young. When I was younger, I was self-medicating my anxiety in high school and, in the band, I was scared to death to play in a little bar. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty. I was always very entrepreneurial and worked at worked since I was 10, but I always carried a lot of anxiety. I had to figure out what the, what the source of all that was first. And that's why I I knew I couldn't do it at that point. But then as I've uh, overcame that and all the other things, you know, that you go through as a young man growing up, you know, all the uncertainties now that I've started companies and I've done everything people told me I couldn't do, I have confidence. And I'm the same dude you would have met in high school. I'm just not the same dude with all the uh, I'm not insecure and I'm not anxious and I I, I don't panic and because I've done that. I've been there, done that. And that's what I'm doing is sharing my life experience with other people that probably can relate to what I'm talking about.
2: You know, when you think of the music business years ago to what it is now, it's completely different than it was. A lot of it's still the same, but it's also different. Was any was there anything that you have seen that you didn't expect or you thought maybe things would be different? Or were you somewhat educated on what was going on prior to you kind of stepping into this, this industry?
0: Oh, I had no clue. I mean, I thought, you know, you get on Facebook and you... uh Boost a post and i didn't i didn 't know that the, you know half the time you do that stuff you get a bunch of bots um, i I, I want to do everything organically um, i it it's so competitive i don 't know what 's real what 's not, but I know i 'm real and I know my product and my following is organic, and i'm just going to build it that way, so that surprised me quite a bit how people could get so big or get so many followers so quick and now I learned half the time. It's really not even a bunch of real followers. Um, so that was a big shock to me, the whole process of recording. I mean, I couldn't go into a recording studio and, and do what Chris Lord does. But I read a book when I was young, Think, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it said, do what you do best and surround yourself with the people that do what they do best. And I you know, applied that to the oil business and I apply it to my music business and, I do what I do. I'm a front man. I'm an entertainer. I like to write. Um, and if you get too caught up in all the other minutiae, you'll never get anywhere. That's why you got to surround yourself with a team like I have. And uh, I'm very
2: blessed. What's interesting is my path to podcasting. You know, I I uh, have been in real estate for a couple decades and I started. This pod- in Chicago. Are you in Chicago? Yeah, I'm in Chicago, outside of Chicago. Where'd you, where'd you go to high school? I went to high school in Des Plaines. so I was out. I grew up out just like ten minutes outside of Chicago.
0: Yeah, I lived in Arlington Heights once, and I went to I went to Glenbard South High School in Glen Ellyn.
2: Okay, all right. I went. So to,
0: I was wondering when you said you went to school with a dimer. There's not know. many dimers out there.
2: <laughs> no, well, yeah, um, but no, I, I grew up in Des Plaines, just just off of O'Hare Airport and, um, 10 minutes from the city. But, uh, you know, I got into podcasting two and a half years ago at the age of 45, 44, I think. Yeah. 44. And, you know, always loved talking music. And now here I am 350 episodes plus later, you know, doing this podcast and, and really enjoying this, you know, what was a hobby has become more serious and you just apply the same passion that you have. Right. That I had, you know, with with real estate, you know, like, yeah, work ethic.
0: Yeah. And real estate, you have to have a work ethic because it's very easy to not work. And my dad retired from Chevron at 57 and then he sold real estate for 20 years after that. You have to be disciplined, And you like nobody. I've never woken up a day since I've started my own companies and I've been guaranteed a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And you know that from being a realtor. Yeah. You got to go out and great. You got to go get it.
2: Absolutely, you know, and what you said about social media. I remember being so concerned about getting followers and gaining followers, and and once yeah. I once I slowed that down and just started building it organically, m- the growth of my podcast is has has grown exponentially because I'm because people who are now following me are following me to listen to the podcast, whereas before, exactly. you know, I wasn't getting an audience I was just getting followers exactly
0: yeah one that that's that was a big wake-up one if it it sounds like it was for you too it's like I was so worried about oh how do I how do these people get all these followers and now just be you like you're doing with your show man just be you and and the rest will take care of itself
2: yeah it's it's a joy to find passion you know later on in life you know I always I always love talking music through through the years, so junior high, through high school. Uh But, you know, here I am now, actually, you know, I, I like having those, these conversations that are like being in a bar talking about music.
0: Yeah, man. No, it's, it's, it's very cool. And what we all have to remember is we only live once. So you have one life to, to chase your dreams and, you know, do what you want to do in this, the, on, in this crazy world we're in. And that's what we're doing, man. Both of us.
2: As far as, you know, going after it, what was the defining moment that you had when you were at your house or wherever you were saying to yourself, you know, I know you talked about the, you know, being on film with John Travolta and doing a scene with him, but what was that moment where you said, fuck it, I'm just going to go do it.
0: Well, truly, man, that, that once I got in front, when those, the booms were on me in that movie, and it was a big crowd scene. There were people everywhere. And John Travolta is right here. And I'm acting with Toby Sebastian from Game of Thrones. I'm like, this is the time. And I got in that, my car. I had a, my driver took me all the way back to Ohio from Alabama after the shoot, which ended at like two in the morning. And I'm riding in the car. And I'm just thinking, I had a lot of time to think. And I'm just like, I think that was my sign that I can do this. I've been put, put you know, suppressing it for all these years. And on that night, I was I was looking at my news on my phone and I read about this girl over in England somewhere who had passed away from chewing on her hair and got a stomach lining infection. And I said, I don't need the money that I just got paid tonight. And I made it, I paid for her whole funeral expenses, never met the family, sent it from the car that night. And I said, today I'm, I'm changing my life. Hopefully, that helped their family. I'm giving back what I just got that I didn't expect. They didn't expect that. And from there, I talked to Darren, who runs my other companies. He's been with me a lot of years. And I just said, look, I'm going to start weaning myself out because I was 85% of the sales for my company. And I said, Mark, companies will be worth way more if I'm not attached to where I'm relied on to sell. (laughs) And everybody else, uh, you know, takes it from here and we empower our people as we have very, we have very low employee turnover. And now my companies have grown like crazy because we're not micromanaging it. We're just me being this, I was a sales guy with a support team and now they all run themselves and uh, very blessed and uh, I can do what I want to do. So that really that night was the night I started weaning off of the oil business and started my attack on the on the movies and then into the music
2: well was there anything before that like was there any what i mean what i'm kind of driving at is obviously that moment was a defining moment because that's when you made your decision but was there a build-up was there this you know this push and pull internally with you you know forever how long it was before that moment where that just sealed the deal
0: oh i i i, I I was I would work 12, 15 hour days building my oil, oil company and writing tickets before we finally got a system and all that. And yeah, I mean all the time I'm like, why do it? why am I so stressed all the time? My kids are getting older now and I didn't really have the wherewithal yet to, to figure out, hey, you're suppressing your creative side. You're a very creative person. That's doing. That's do, you know a businessman, which there's nothing wrong with that because you can be creative to a certain extent. in The oil business coming up with products and all that, but I never really could put a finger on what that anxiety was coming from. Why I, I just felt like I wasn't doing exactly what I should be, but I'd always go back to my music. I'd always listen to my bands. I'd always be jam. When I'm not working, I'm jamming out in my car or what. I, and I. Said so I've, I've got to do it now. Now's the time. Like I said when I was younger, I, I would feel it someday. And yeah, I struggled with it, man, for years because I was kind of a, a square peg in a round hole. You know, doing doing what I did with the oil companies. But now I'm doing what I what I always wanted to do.
2: You've got an interesting story, man. Uh, not one that I am uh, used to talking about, but it's amazing, and I really enjoy well, learning more about it.
0: Thank you, Jay. No, I'm, I'm happy to talk anytime you'd like to have me on. Man. It's a pleasure
2: to be here. Kurt, it's been a blast.
0: I appreciate it, Jay. And uh, are you going to be able to come out to the Arcada?
2: Yeah, I'm planning. I mean, it's probably like 25 minutes from my house. So, yeah, I, I, I do plan on going out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. KurtDimer.com. You can, all the tour dates are on there, and we'll be there sometime in May. Okay, man. So, I'm looking. I'm looking looking forward to meeting you. And uh, anytime you want to have us on, I'm happy to be here, man.
2: Awesome. I will take you up on that. Everyone, that is Kirk Dimer. I am Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay strong, stay healthy, take care of each other. We'll talk again soon. Thanks.
1: Breath is breath, and death is death. No respect.
0: There's nothing left
1: These are the times Newspapers are all
0: jaded Behind the lines All the postcards now are faded
1: Burn together Feel the pain